Going to switch our focus now to enforcement, and uh, that is, I think, the key component in what we heard yesterday, and uh, some developments on that front already. It seems like uh, enforcement certainly will be a focus of the new restrictions that were brought in yesterday. Uh, if you've been following on social media at all, the Whistle Stop Cafe, which is located near Mir, Alberta, uh, they've had some other uh, protests and rallies and things like that, and they had a big one planned for this weekend. Um, to protest the restrictions and things like that. Well, Alberta Health Services has just issued a statement saying, today, Alberta Health Services physically closed the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir and has prevented access to the building until the operator can demonstrate the ability to comply with the Chief Medical Officer of Health restrictions and requirements under Alberta's Public Health Act and food regulations. So, the Premier said he was going to be stepping up these... uh, restrictions and the enforcement of them, and it clearly would appear that that is a new focus. Um, the closure order has been issued and the whistle stop has been shut down. So, interesting development there, and as I said, coming up uh, in about a half an hour from now, the Premier and three of his ministers will be holding a news conference where we can ask more questions about this situation and find out exactly what the plan is around enforcement. Uh, right now, though, we're going to get an idea of just what the legality is around these kinds of laws when you're talking about public health orders and, uh, you know, health restrictions and things like that, and we haven't seen a lot of enforcement, and there's a lot of talk about why we haven't seen that enforcement, so we're going to try and clear that up a little bit right now. We're going to chat with Dr. Lorraine Hardcastle, who is an assistant professor in the faculty Faculty of Law at the University of Calgary, with a cross-appointment to the Department of Community Health Sciences in the coming School of Medicine, uh, also a member of the O'Brien Institute for Public Health. Um, Dr. Hardcastle, thank you for joining us this morning. Always appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. So we're seeing now that, um, obviously, uh, enforcement is going to be a focus here. I think it's not a coincidence that AHS moved out this morning to shut down the Whistle Stop Cafe after the announcement we heard last night. Um, Do you expect we'll see more enforcement along these lines with um, AHS getting more involved? I do. I think we'll see AHS getting involved, but I also think that we'll see uh, law enforcement handing out more more fines. Uh, it sounds like, of course, fines are being increased, but mm-hmm. it also sounds like there's some pressure on the government after a, a statement that came out suggesting that the government had indicated to police to uh, not clog the courts with fines, and, and there was some anger about that statement, and I think that uh, the pressure as a result of that um, will also uh, lead to more fines. Now, just in terms of the different ways that this can be enforced, because as you said, there's RCMP, there's bylaw officers, there's Alberta Health Services, there's city police officers, there's a bunch of different things here. How, how does this all break down in terms of trying to enforce these restrictions? Whose jurisdiction is it? Well, that's the interesting thing. Uh, we saw a bunch of finger-pointing before, where, uh, particularly with Grace Life Church, where the RCMP said they were waiting for AHS to act, and AHS said they were waiting for the RCMP to act. But the fact of the matter is that both could have acted all along. Both had, um, had, had powers. The AHS is empowered under the Public Health Act to conduct enforcement activities, and by the same token, of course, the RCMP is is empowered um, to enforce almost any law. And so they, too, could have been uh, issuing uh, tickets or fines or those sorts of things as well. And so both have jurisdiction um, to to issue fines. And then if you're in the city, then, of course, bylaw officers um, also have, have jurisdiction to issue fines. 
So, so there's a lot of different people who can do enforcement activities. Um, and as you said, it was kind of a really strange situation because we heard from, I know, the mayor of Lethbridge and um, the chief of police in Calgary. They know that the laws were brought in, but then we heard reports that they were told by the province, hey, don't write too many of these tickets because we don't want to clog up the court. So basically, this enforcement procedure um, was cutting itself off at the knees before it even got started. That's right, and and I think we heard from Mayor Nenshi that he was disappointed to have heard that, and I think there there was also some disappointment from some members of the public as well around this idea that these rule breakers have been blatantly breaking the rules, yet there have been so few so few fines. I think the number of fines under the Public Health Act right now is is just under six hundred mm-hmm. in total over the entire pandemic. We've also heard about follow-up. The Premier talking about if you ignore these fines or you don't pay these fines, they're going to go through registry services, like much like they do with traffic tickets. What's the legality around that? Is that, I mean, how does that work? They can just go ahead and say you can't have a driver's license until you've paid your fines? Is it just like a traffic violation? That's right. They can do that. Um, I, I haven't heard of any other jurisdictions doing that, so it was a... Uh, a surprising move, but certainly one that can be done. And and um, it was expected that some people were planning on not paying those fines, and so it's a, a good way to incentivize them to do that. Um, so so yeah, no, certainly certainly surprising, but certainly also legal. Um, a lot of people saying, well, the reason they're not writing these tickets is because they would never hold up in court. Um, in yeah. terms of the legality of these restrictions and the enforcement of them. Um, is that true? I mean, are these legally binding rules that have been set in place and they would hold up in court? Or is there, you know, um, is, is, are people right in saying, well, they're not writing the tickets because they'd never hold up in court anyway? Yeah, I think that's un- that's unfortunate that that um, that discourse is going around, and and certainly it's a very common sentiment that's going around. And where it stems from is the fact that uh, prosecutors are actually deciding not to proceed with a number of these tickets, and it's not really clear why. Um, in some cases, there may not be adequate evidence. Um, but it's not clear why prosecutors haven't gone ahead with a number of tickets. By the same token, though, many are still in the courts. So there are many tickets still in the courts, and until those tickets are resolved, it, it certainly can't be claimed that um, that people aren't paying fines or that they're getting thrown out. The number right now is that 12% of the tickets that have been issued have already been um, been have been paid either because a judge ordered them to be paid or because the person voluntarily paid. Uh, but another about 38% is still winding its way through the courts. Um, and it's actually a very small percentage that have been dismissed or thrown out by the court. Okay. that That's good to know. Um, it, it would appear to me, and I think a lot of people have been saying this and saying this is the approach that should be taken. Um, like the you know the Whistle Stop Cafe in Mir had had a protest plan for this weekend. Um, AHS moving to shut it down before it even starts. Like I don't know if going down to the Bowdoin Rodeo and trying to hand out two, three, four thousand dollar fines is a reasonable way of handling this. But focusing on you know the organizers or or the places where this is being done seems to be a better course of action. And maybe we're seeing that being played out today. 
I think so. I think that if you go down and try to hand out tickets or try to break something up, I think there's always a risk of things escalating or becoming violent. And certainly at the boat and rodeo, uh, it's my understanding that there were only two RCMP officers there, yeah. and so you know they can't they they can't put themselves um, in in harm's way. Uh, and so I think you're right. I think the way of doing this is to stop these events from happening in the first place. I think that's safer for everybody. It's safer for law enforcement, but it's also safer for attendees. Uh, because if you go and they're already gathered there, then the public health risks um, are already occurring. Yeah, it, it's going to be an interesting uh, couple of weeks here in the province of Alberta, no doubt about it. Thank you so much for your time this morning and giving us a little insight into how all this works. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. We'll do it again. Thanks very much. That is Dr. Lorraine Hardcastle, who is an assistant professor in the Faculty of Law at the University of Calgary.